Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you all had a wonderful Mother's Day. We thank you so much for being here and being a part of the community, and we're excited to bring you another magical birth story. As always, you can listen to the show on the Parents on Demand app. You can go to parentsondemand.com or go to the link in today's show notes to download the pod Parents on Demand app on your Android or your iOS platform. And that's where you can listen to the show. You can listen to other amazing shows that are within the Parents on Demand network and ways you can reach out and connect with us. You can go to our website, diahpodcast.com. You can check us out on Instagram, D-I-A-H podcast, or check out our Facebook page, Doing It at Home. And from there, you can check out our private Facebook group for the community. So today we're talking to Emily and we have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff we cover. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation. So I'll hit you with some of the high points. First of all, Emily is a mom to three, three beautiful boys, and her birth experiences are all very different, ranging from hospital to a birthing center to home birth. So we get into some of those details. We talk about birth time of her home birth. And then a couple of things that are just so great that we mentioned and we touch on towards the end of the conversation are her plans and intentions, desires for a free or unassisted birth for a potential fourth child. We talk about consuming your placenta and why Emily is such a huge advocate for that and how that's been a huge benefit in her life and in postpartum. Also her milk donation. So donating breast milk and she's around 10,000 ounces delivered or uh, donated as of now. So that is pretty amazing. So we share a little bit about that. And then we tie it up with talking about how the doing it at home community has been an influence in her life and in her marriage with her husband, Ryan. And we get into some really juicy conversation around how sex and birth are both healing and transformative experiences and how through, you know, really embracing yourself as a woman, your body, your experience in motherhood, you know, how you can get to a, a greater appreciation for yourself and love for yourself. And and that conversation is just all too magically, divinely timed because today is the day that I launch my online membership, or actually yesterday is when I dropped it. But so within the past 24 hours, my online membership called Orgasmic Mama. And so it's just, it's too funny that I get into this conversation with Emily around, you know, sexual healing and sexual empowerment as a mother and the connection of, of all those aspects of ourselves, because that's what Orgasmic Mama is about. So I highly encourage you, if you enjoyed any part of that conversation with Emily, or if you have been interested in exploring sexuality, your identity, confidence, personal power, you know, for yourself to go check out Orgasmic Mama. I'll include a link in today's show notes, um, monthly membership with all sorts of goodies, content, juiciness for you that's added each month to dive into that conversation further and that that further exploration. So I just had to mention because it's just too awesome how things are connected in that way. So thank you so much to Emily for being with us. This is an amazing conversation. I know you're going to love it. Here it is. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. I'm excited to have you here and to chat with you today. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we can and will get into. Um, but before we do that, why don't you just kick us off with a little bit about you and your family? Yeah. Um, 
My name is Emily. I am married. My husband's name is Ryan. We have three little boys. Corbin is five years old. Penn is two. Or he just turned two. And our newest baby, Moxie, is nine months old. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I get to hang out with my little guys all day, every day, mm. which I love. And we currently live in Michigan. We've moved around quite a bit for the last few years, but I think we are here in Michigan Mm. Semi permanently, so we love it here. Awesome, and that's a full house, and you're the queen of that house. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I love it. Um, And you've had quite the array, I guess I could say, of um, birth experience, right? In terms of you know how you Mm -hmm. approach them and then how they unfolded. Why don't you, if you could, take a few steps back in time, um, because it's been a minute since you started growing your family. what what those processes were and decisions around, you know, once you started your family and then kind of how your first couple of births went and then how as a result that influenced you to enter into the land of home birth? Yeah. Um, so my first birth was, uh, my first pregnancy, excuse me, was completely unplanned. Mm. Uh, Ryan and I were still in school. We were not uh, really wanting to have kids for a very long time. And I didn't really have any exposure or experience with the birth world. So, you know, we did the OB, we did the hospital, we did everything. And um, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my OB, she she did cervical checks and um, she stripped my membranes and she offered to induce me before I was even at 40 weeks. And we just kind of followed along mm-hmm. uh, because we trusted her and, we figured, you know, what's the point in doing more research? She's the expert. So uh, we did her thing and we were induced uh, either a day or two, I think, before 40 weeks um, at 5 a.m. in the morning on a Monday, which I thought was like, I was like, she is doing me some kind of favor. She's helping me get this baby out. But it turns out 5 a.m. on a Monday morning is actually a good time for an induction to start if the doctor wants to catch the baby and get home in time for dinner. Mm. So <laughs> we go in. Yeah, so we go in and, um, you know, we have cytotech, the Pitocin, they break my water, they, the birth, the birth happens and, um, it was good. I, I had uh, several stitches. It was good because he was born, but, you know, there were some other things. I, we had the whole purple pushing thing happen and, um, so I had a lot of stitches and I was so incredibly sore afterwards, but I had my baby and so I was really happy with the birth and I felt, um, complete and I felt whole after that experience um for probably two years after he was born I loved my birth experience and I felt like it was perfect for me and um then I started to realize Corbin's birth kind of just happened to us like we we were participants but we didn't really get to run the race Corbin and I like we just were kind of along for the ride which I looking back wish it was a little bit different but that's okay um you know you learn so Mm -hmm. And I do realize now that my OB, as an OB, she was trained as a surgeon. Mm. You know, she knows how to deal with high-risk pregnancies and births, and she knows how to handle emergencies, and she's really good at that, but um, she's good at medical intervention, too, and I suspect that's why she was so comfortable with the induction before my due date. But my pregnancy was completely standard and uncomplicated, as all my pregnancies have been, so mm. there's really no reason I should have been induced. But, you know, that's okay. I still have Corbin, and he's here, and he's healthy, and I went... I wouldn't change his birth, but I knew going forward, I could change the following two births. Um, so yeah, then uh, fast forward two years uh, after Corbin was born, Ryan and I were married and we were, I think we tried for a month or two and we got pregnant and we did a birth center this time. Mm. Um, we actually, I switched to a birth center right at the end of my pregnancy. because I had this like aha moment, like all of a sudden I was like, I think I want to do this natural I think I'm going to try this at a birth center. I think I'm, I'm going to stay from the hospital now. And it was a total 180, but I'm really glad that it happened, even mm. though it happened like three weeks before he was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was wh- totally life changing. What Sorry. kind of prompted that? You know, I know you said you had this like thought, but were there things swirling around that? Or did you just like have this light, like lightning hit you? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. I, cause I was the person, I remember telling my friends like, I am not a hero. I don't, 
I don't need to do this naturally. Like I want all the drugs. I don't want to feel a thing. Like I was that person. And I knew people that had done home births and natural births. And I was horrified at the whole thought of it. And then it was like divine intervention. Like God was slapping me in the face because all of a sudden out of nowhere, I was like, maybe I should do this naturally. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were no thoughts around it at all. It just kind of like popped in my head and I, I started doing research. And of course I watched the business of being born mm. and I read Ina May's guide to childbirth and hypnobirthing. And there's an, another book, I think it's called childbirth without fear. It's much older, but it was so, so good because I'm very science minded and it kind of walks you through the biology of what's happening, you know, and the uterus muscles as you're birthing and why we may experience um, pain during childbirth as a result of fear of the unknown. Mm. So that was really awesome for me. And that was kind of what shifted my view. Um, yeah, but that was at like 36, 37 weeks mm. pregnant. So yeah, we did that at the birth center. We had him at the birth center really, really incredibly fast. Um, I think his labor start to finish was about two hours. Oh. I had no signs of labor. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my water broke. It was like water everywhere. I can check or rushes, excuse me, trying to call them rushes mm-hmm. or waves, um, especially in the context of a natural birth. So all of a sudden, I'm having these waves and we I'm thinking labor's going to be eight or 10 hours and the midwife's like, no, 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 come to the birth center right now. Like you need to get here. And we get to the birth center and he's born like 40 minutes later. It wow. Was really, really fast, but it was incredible. So after that, I knew that we would not go back to a hospital if we didn't need to, assuming that my future pregnancies were healthy and low risk. We knew we would stay on the natural birth, either birth center or home birth. Um, for the rest of our pregnancies because it was amazing. And Corbin was, he had just turned three at the time and he was amazing. Like he was so prepared for the birth, which I think is really important if you want your child to be involved, Mm. but he got to be there. Like he was front and center the whole time. He knew what was happening. You know, he knows how the baby gets in there and he knows how it gets out. And so it wasn't weird or uncomfortable for him. He was just really, really excited to be there and watch it. And I think he even cheered when Penn was born, which was so cute. So, mm. um, and then again, he was, <laughs> our kids were also pregnant for our third baby being born, but mm. we can get to that later. So, yeah. yeah, it was great. It was, wow. it was a really, really good entrance into the natural birth world. Just so much oxytocin. It was, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Mm. So then what were the conversations when you were pregnant again, you know, and what was it just clear, simple, kind of like before you just boom, you knew, or was there a little bit more like easing into the pool, you know, of then moving to the next step of, of home birth? Um, yeah, so that was, no, we didn't know for sure that we would do a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I didn't actually know we were going to have another baby. Uh, cause Penn was only six months old when I got pregnant and we just moved and, um, we were not expecting to have another baby for a while, but we were, we were not trying, not preventing, which is mm-hmm. basically trying, if you're not pulling out. <laughs> so I ended up pregnant. Um, and it was just like, okay, like, what are we going to do? We thought we would do a birth center, but, um, birth centers are not covered by insurance here. And so we we're like, all right, well, I don't, I don't really want to do a hospital. So let's do a home birth. And I'm really, really glad now that the birth center was not covered because it, in a way kind of forced us to look at home birth and that was the best decision we could have made. So, um, yeah, we, we decided we were going to do a home birth. We started looking at midwives and we connected with a midwife that lives, I think maybe three minutes from us, like two miles down the road. And she is amazing. Her name is Amy and she does all home visits. We connected so, so well. And this was actually at a time when we had just moved to our new house and our new state actually. And so I didn't really know anyone, but she was there for support and friendship beyond just pregnancy and baby related things. So I was so, so, so thankful that she took the time to connect and support me because every time she came over, she was at my house for at least an hour, I would Mm. say. And she connected with my kids and she met up with Ryan. It was just, she's amazing. I have so much love and respect for her. So I love I'm that. Sorry. I think I got off topic. No, I think you're <laughs> I great. I love that. No, it's so great to hear when when mamas and families, you know, have such an in, 
endearing thing that comes into play when you talk about your midwife, you know, and that relationship from the care to then how they kind of integrate into your family and um, all of that. I think that's super important and worthy of noting there, you know, for for those listening right now who are like, yes, I know. And they're thinking of their midwife and they're probably going to text or call them after this. Be like, I love you. I just want to let you know. You know, it kind of yes. evokes that yes. sort of thing. Um, and then for those who are, are planning for that or looking into that experience, whether you're you know, interviewing or having conversations with potential midwives, or you're in the early stages of establishing that relationship to just see what's possible and what you can have and experience if that's what you want. If you want that type of relationship, it's entirely possible. Um, so I love that you mentioned that. We kind of took the midwife love detour for a second because we love our <laughs> midwife too. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, so then what was it like um, in terms of planning? Was there anything really different you did or anything that, that kind of stands out as far as preparing for this now being a home birth versus, you know, your, your two prior? Yes, definitely. Definitely. A lot of mental preparation, I think for me, mm. um, like I knew I was very excited about a home birth and Ryan was on board as well, but we didn't really share our home birth plans with that many people because I knew that, you know, people that find out tend to think, you know, what if there's an emergency? What if the baby's shoulders are stuck? What if the hand or arm is up by the face when they're, you know, what if they're posterior? What if the baby's breech? There are so many different questions. And, right. and so for me, I worked, I remember at the beginning of my pregnancy, I worked through a lot of situations with Amy, you know, potential quote unquote emergencies and what would happen in those cases with her. And, um, and also through my own research, I was very comforted when I realized that number one, many emergency again quote unquote emergency mm -hmm. situations do have natural remedies or can be worked through if the mother's allowed to labor it out on her own and number two a lot of emergencies that present themselves at the hospital are related to the string of in interventions that sometimes come from those hospital births so um, once I kind of worked through all of those I guess I did have some fears about those types of emergencies but once I worked through those things um, I felt a lot better and more confident in the hospital or in the home birth world. But I also don't, I don't want to throw shade at hospital births because I do think they have such an important role in the birth world. And I have so many friends who've done hospital births um, and some that have done home births as well. But um, I even know some moms that have done home births and then been transferred to the hospital either before or after the baby was born. And I, I think that the fact that the hospital is there to be utilized in cases like that is incredible. Like we mm. are so, so lucky to have that resource. But at the same time, birth doesn't always have to occur in the hospital. It's exactly. Not, you know, birth is not an illness. It doesn't always need to be in the hospital. So the reality is you, you are more likely to experience unnecessary intervention while birthing in a hospital setting than you are while birthing at home. So I think that's just something to be aware of. But sorry, again, I'm going off on a tangent. No, um, no, it's great. Let's let's go with that for a second. So I think to your point, you know, you know how you said what you're more likely to experience um, in the way that hospitals you know, are currently set up, you know, I think is like the point to that, that it's the way the, the energy, the, the mm -hmm. system is right now. Yes, that is a reality. And I think, you know, sometimes it's the assumption that if we're having conversations like you and I are having right now, uh, that it's meant to create a separation, right? Or a division between that part of the birth world and say this part of the birth world. Um, when in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think it's about opening up, you know, those lines of communication and seeing how one can learn from the other and there can be this integration. And so that, you know, mm -hmm. in, in whatever time period we could be talking again, you and me, Emily, or, or another set of mamas, or yeah. someone can be talking where that's not necessarily the case. And now when you, when you are given your full breadth of options, right, including home, including hospital, including a birth center, it's like that it's not the reality anymore that the statistics lean towards, you know, what you're likely to experience in a hospital. I think that's entirely possible to move in that direction, right? And so I think it's through having more of these conversations that that integration, that, you know, reaching across, you know, the, the aisle is is more possible. Um so yeah, yeah I, I love it. I think it's it's all important to to note there. I think it's important that um hospital birthing mamas know that they can say no to things too. Right. You know, it's your birth, you're allowed to say no to induction or the use of devices that you might not want or really anything you can say no to a lot of things and they might give you heck about it but you know it's your birth so right 
<laughs> so working through some of those fears and then as birthing time got closer, what was going on with you? What was your state of mind? How are you feeling? Um, I, I was a little bit nervous still mm. just about, I want to say pain, but the discomfort that comes from birthing a baby because my second child was a monster. He was almost 10 pounds and I <laughs> thought I was going to birth another large baby. A monster. So I had a little bit of fear about that. But mm-hmm. He's a cute monster, but he was big. He was yeah. a really big guy. So, but one of the, actually one of the things I took away from your podcast was the practice of sitting with those sensations that are not pleasurable as mm. opposed to running from them. And I think that's actually coming from one of your sex episodes where you explored postpartum sex, but I think the same can be said about birth. Sure. Um, sitting with, sitting with a sensation that's a little bit uncomfortable. Like as your labor waves get stronger, you can just kind of sit and like push through it. Um, and so I felt like that empowered me like I knew I knew that I could do it after listening to that even if I did have another very large baby which thankfully I didn't but Mm. yeah fast forward a few months I was due towards the end of July we thought we didn't have an exact due date because I didn't have a period between my two babies Um, and we'd also chose Mm. not to do a dating ultrasound during that first trimester so Mm -hmm. we estimated the end of July I think the 26th or 27th I want to say um, and he was growing according, accordingly, so we weren't worried about that. But the whole pregnancy, I assumed that I would go early. I thought because my pregnancies were so close together that I would make it maybe to early July. Like I thought maybe I'd have a July 4th baby. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Um, and so July comes and goes and then all of a sudden it's August and I was like, what is going <laughs> on? Like, I am miserable. Did my body forget I was pregnant? Like, we still have to birth this thing. So, <laughs> So, but I'm a firm believer that a woman's body grows the perfect size baby for her to birth. So assuming there are no serious medical conditions like gestational diabetes or whatever a woman, I think that a woman's body knows how to grow and birth the baby perfectly. And I, I do know that waiting to go into labor on my own will likely allow me to have the easiest birthing experience, even if that means waiting a few extra weeks. So at that time, I was just trying to trust my body through the process, which is hard, but made mm-hmm. it. And funny enough, actually... I think a few days before my estimated guest date, um, Amy and I realized that the baby was breech. Um, mm. So I'm at like almost 40 weeks and he has settled into a breech position. And if you have a breech baby at almost 40 weeks, you know, it's pretty darn hard for them to flip back around because there's not a lot of room, room yeah. in there. And so, so I'm panicking and Amy's trying to talk me through this breech home birth and at that point, I realized she's even more incredible because she's done breach home birth before and she's mm. delivered breach twins, actually, which is just like, I am in awe of her. But wow. so we tentatively planned to continue with this breach home birth, home birth if he stayed breach, but I was not that excited about it. Um, and by some miracle, a few days later, he ended up flipping on his own just a few days before my due date, which was a huge relief. And anyways, at that point, that's when I realized I probably didn't go into labor before then because he wasn't quite ready. He was still flipping around in there and he hadn't quite settled down into position yet. So mm. that last flip was, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my due date comes and goes and my guest date, I guess comes mm-hmm. and goes. And at this point we're trying to get me to go into labor. So we're having a lot of sex. We're curb walking. We're usually pairing those two together actually in that order. I think that's what's supposed to be most effective. Ryan, awesome. my husband is so, he's so funny. He always jokes that at the end of my 
pregnancy, he feels like he's being milked like a cow because I'm just <laughs> using sex like repeatedly to go into labor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Which, it turns out it doesn't matter anyways because I still didn't go into labor, but I always think that's funny. But hey, um, I mean, you're like- here. Help out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't go into labor until after 41 weeks anyways, but mm. it was worth a shot. Mm-hmm. But you want me to get into the birth part? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Let's talk birth. Okay. Okay, so the night I went into labor, it was, I think it was around maybe 11 p.m. or so, and uh, Ryan and I are laying in bed, and suddenly I felt this uh, familiar, like, pop that I had with Penn, Mm. that it was my water breaking with Penn, and so I tell Ryan, like, there was nothing coming out, but I was, I felt that pop, and so I told Ryan, I think my water just broke, because I just had that pop, but there was nothing coming out, so maybe I'm wrong, and so I stand up out of bed and I start to take my shorts off and all of a sudden it's like lots of water gushing out and Ryan's like, yep, yep, definitely your water. Like it's, <laughs> it's go time. So he hops out of bed and we're thinking it's going to be fast because of how fast Penn's birth is. Sure. So Ryan is like running out to the living room trying to fill up the birth pool because it takes like 40 minutes to fill up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have this baby in like 20 minutes. So I'm thinking like it's go time. Like I'm about to birth the baby right here in the bedroom. And so I call Amy and she's like, well, why don't you just get some rest and call me in the morning. And at that point I realized I wasn't even having regular contractions. Like mm. I don't even know if I was having any contractions at all. So I don't, I don't think I was really even in labor yet. And so that was kind of a bummer. Like you assume when your water breaks, you're in, you're all automatically in active labor, but I don't think that's always the case. So we stayed up for a while watching documentaries and, because I'm really into documentaries and I was trying to get labor going. Like I was doing, you're supposed to rub your nipples, use your breast pump, whatever. And mm-hmm. that can, that would get rushes going here and there, but nothing regular. Um, so we finally go to bed and I don't think I really slept that much. I was just really excited to go into labor, but still nothing of course. And so when I finally got out of bed at six thirty in the morning, I don't know if I slept really at all, but I started walking around the house because I cannot, I could not stand laying in bed anymore. Thankfully, the kids were still asleep, and Ryan got up, and he finished filling the birth tub with hot water. He got a few things ready. Ryan, actually, I'm so type A. I had a list of things that (laughs) Ryan needed to do when I went into labor. So he had to, like, go do a load of laundry. He had to, like, unload the dishwasher, wash a few things. Like, it was – he got it all done, though. He's he's amazing. That's awesome. So um, let me think. That was – we got up at 6.30 – I think we had everything ready by about 7.30. And at that point, I was finally having regular rushes. Mm. Um, but I was still walking around. I was comfortable. I was trying to get some things done. And I felt really good still. And um, I think I sent Amy a, a text around 8.15 saying I thought things were picking up. And I was asking her to head over. So at 8.15, I was still talking through the waves. And I was texting people. And I felt okay. Um, thankfully, actually, I wanted to mention during this process, my mom was in town. Mm. which I was so thankful for. So she was kind of keeping the kids happy and we wanted them both to be involved and in seeing what was happening, but she was there to, cause Penn was only 15 months when Moxie was born. So I was a little bit worried how he would handle it. Cause he didn't, I don't even think he knew I was pregnant. He didn't really recognize anything. Um, so yeah, my mom was, my mom was awesome as well. And Ryan's mom got there before the birth as well. So we had a good group of, moms with us. I had a lot of great female energy, which was awesome. That's so, so cool. Anyways, Amy gets to our house, I think at about 845. I only know this because of the timestamp on pictures. I was going through some pictures that I had from the birth and they had times on them. So about 845, Amy gets there and she has another midwife with her um, named Goldie. Um, at this point, yeah, Ryan's done with his prep tasks. My mom's helping with the boys. So is Ryan's mom. They're kind of in and out of the room as they want the boys are. Um, and I'm trying to think, I think our, our moms kind of stayed downstairs. I really wanted them to be part of the home birth because, um, I just wanted them to experience that, especially being moms themselves and Mm -hmm. our moms. Um, I think Western medicine has led us to believe that we can't birth our own babies at home or without intervention when the truth is that most times we can and we've been doing it without intervention since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it can sound really scary and even primitive to some people. And I was totally once one of those people. 
but it was probably my home birth was the most beautiful experience I've ever had. Like even more beautiful and incredible and oxytocin infused than either of my other two births, which were also awesome. But the home birth is just something else. Right. So that point aside, um, 8.45, I'm in active labor. Our moms are there. It's a pretty good atmosphere. We're excited. And the midwives are there. Um, Amy's being super quiet. She comes in. She kind of unloads a few of her birth supplies. And she just starts observing me. And I think I was sitting on the birth ball right outside the tub at that time. Um, so I was trying to conserve, like I didn't want to get in the water yet. Cause I know the effects of the water are so magical. You get in the water, at least for me. And it's like, it's a game changer. Like it mm. feels amazing to get in that warm water. I know some moms don't like it, but I, I personally loved it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I got in the water at about nine fifteen. And we did no cervical checks or anything during labor. So I didn't know exactly where I was at that point. But I think I could pretty much tell I was in transition by the time I got into the tub, just based on the rushes I was experiencing. It was pretty intense at that Mm. point. Um, The thing I love about Amy, my midwife, is that, and Goldie, our backup as well, is that they both just stood back and they let Corbin, excuse me, they let Mox and I do the birth that we needed to do. Like it was mine and Mox's birth. Um, They were there if we needed them. And they were there for support, but that was it. Like they just let us do our thing. We got to run the show, which was so empowering. And I loved that. And I also, I had prepared myself with a lot of birth affirmations. So that was very helpful as well. Mm. I had a bunch of them saved on my phone. So I would read through them every day at the end of my pregnancy. And I, I really think it helps. Like if you truly believe in the truth of a birth affirmation, it can make all the difference in the world. So yeah. I would say things like, the rush cannot break me. Like the contraction is not stronger than me because it literally is me. It's my own body. So, Mm. you know, my body knows how to birth this baby, just like it knew how to grow the baby. And then things like breathe in strength, breathe out tension, open, that type of thing was really, really helpful for me. Mm. Um, I think I touched on this before, but that fear pain connection is so, so real. Like if you are afraid or you don't fully understand what's happening in your body as you birth, you can experience that intensity as pain. I, yeah. I would never, I would never describe my two natural births as painful. I would describe them as very, very intense mm-hmm. and sometimes very uncomfortable, but never painful because for me, there was no fear. I think that a lot of, if not all of that pain comes from your brain's reaction to a fear of the unknown. So the best, I think the best thing for me to equip myself with was just knowledge, like understanding what the muscles in the uterus look like as they're pushing, like how it, how it contracts and opens to push the baby out. And I could just picture that in my head. And I felt like that. And then also repeating the birth affirmations as I was breathing through those rushes helped immensely. Mm. I think that, I think I'm a pretty silent birther. Like I, I mean, I definitely breathe pretty heavily and loudly towards the end, but the birth affirmations and then that, those, that knowledge definitely helped me to stay calm and focused. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I labored in the birth pool for about 40 minutes. We had the diffuser running and I think we had sound on music playing, but I could be totally wrong on that. I was pretty <laughs> zoned out, but, uh, <laughs> um, at 10 one, I told Amy, I was feeling pushy and I asked if I could push. And for some reason I thought I like needed her permission, but I loved her response. She said something like, if, if you feel ready, then you're ready. Go ahead. Like mm. she like I didn't need her permission. You could do whatever I wanted, which was awesome. So, and I was feeling that fetal ejection reflex pretty strongly at the end. So my body was basically just kind of pushing him out already, which is actually kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I started feeling pushy at 10:01, and he was born at 10:08. Okay, so for seven minutes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah it was, my baby's come really, really fast. So he, it was maybe like two contractions. I'm not really sure, but. Seven minutes, he was there. Amy kind of helped me grab him out of the water after he was born. And we snuggled him for about 10 minutes. And Corbin was there. He got to watch the whole thing. He was so excited. We have the whole thing on video. And I could like, I could cry watching him because he, when the baby comes out, he gets so excited. He starts jumping. And then he like runs downstairs to go get our mom to come like show him that he has a new baby. It was the (laughs) cutest thing in the world. And, And I felt amazing. Like, we didn't know that he was a boy actually. So mm. we're like snuggling him and the whole family's together. We have our moms up with us for, like I said, maybe like 10 minutes. And then we realized, Oh, we don't even know the sex of the baby yet. So we check and he's a boy. And so that was exciting to find that out. And I felt 
I felt amazing as soon as he was born. Again, because the same thing happened with Penn, those natural births. I just, you just feel so, so powerful and filled with oxytocin. I just, I feel like it's the, it's the best feeling in the world. Mm. Like the minute he came out, I remember being like, I would do that again right now. Like before the placenta was even born, I was like, I'm just going to keep giving birth because this is awesome. I <laughs> love, love giving birth. And the home birth was, ugh, it's so amazing. It's so comfortable to be inside your own home. So let's see, where was I? Moxie was born at 10.08. Um, yeah, we stayed in the tub till I delivered the placenta. Ryan got to cut the cord at 10.45 or so. We got some cute little pictures of Max next to the placenta. Like, mm. I know that's probably weird for some people, but I think it's so cute. Yeah. Um, and our midwives, like, made a little heart out of the cord. Like, yeah. they're super into that. Which is, I love it. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was just so peaceful. Like, the house was nice and quiet and serene. And we're all just enjoying Max's presence for the first time, which was beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and Amy set up this herbal bath after they cut the cord. Max and I got to go take an herbal bath, which is incredible for any of your listeners who have never had an herbal bath. It's basically like you're sitting in a giant tub of healing tea. I didn't mm. know it even was a thing until after he was born and she had already brewed this bath and mm-hmm. it was beautiful. It smelled delicious and it feels so good. And so Max and I just sat there and we nursed in the bathtub and we relaxed for a while. And I actually think while I was in the bathtub, Amy and Goldie were cleaning the house because we got out and everything was cleaned up. The whole place was clean. The birth tub, I think they even took the birth tub down. They drained it. Jeez. They took the birth tub down and Ryan didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. That is, that's the amazing, amazing part about having a midwife. Like, yeah. I just want to recognize how much a home birth midwife does. Like they deserve all, all the credit in the world. They don't have a team of nurses helping them. Also, labor delivery postpartum nurses are amazing in themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're also awesome. But Amy, my midwife, has done the job of an OB and a doula and the labor delivery postpartum nurses and the cleanup crew all in one, all at the same time. It's like she was by my side the whole time. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever feel like she left. Like her presence was always there, but somehow she got everything else done as well. She's yeah. amazing. Ultimate pit so, crew. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love her so much. So. Wow. Um, yeah. I think by the, from the time labor picked up, to the time he was born was maybe two or three hours. I don't hmm. actually know. Um, so it was also very fast. I know you guys discussed this in a recent episode as well, that it might, it maybe it was last week or the week before, but fast births are not necessarily better. Like right. I mean, it's awesome to birth quickly, but it does, it literally feels like your body is squishing an entire 24 hours worth of into, intense labor yeah. into like two hours. Like You go from zero to a hundred so fast. So I do feel very lucky to have fast and easy births, but I would not say that I birth easily because I birth fast. Right. I don't know that they're connected in that way, but yeah. So it's, yeah, I like having fast births, but it's definitely, I don't think that makes it very easy. I get it. Yeah. And we did talk about that mm-hmm. recently and I can totally understand that. And yet not having thought about it like that before, now that I am aware of that, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, of course that makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> that's why I appreciate yeah. so much like the variations of all of our experiences and the variations of normal, because, you know, I wouldn't have known that otherwise. And now you, know, you can just provide yeah. some more insight, you know, for, for those of us to experience and, and honor and support all of the ways in which our experiences mm-hmm. unfold. Um, that's amazing. And so, your your progression in birth, you know, as you've birthed each of your children, um, you're now at a place where when you think about having another child, you think about a free or unassisted birth. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have very strongly considered it. If we, I say if we'll have a fourth, I'm right. pretty sure we'll have a fourth. <laughs> I just have to get Ryan on board. But <laughs> if we, if I can squeeze another kid out of him, I would strongly consider doing a home or a, an unassisted free birth just because the experience is so, so beautiful. And I feel at, at this point that I know, I know how my body births. I know my body and I feel comfortable that my body is intelligent enough to birth the baby on its own. And I think that an unassisted birth can be completely safe if you equip yourself with the knowledge and resources that you need. And I actually, I have a friend, a very good friend that's about to do an unassisted birth. And I'm so, so excited to share that experience with her, not share, but to, to hear about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
and see how it goes for her because I think that's so, so powerful. And so she's been very inspiring to me as well. Mm. The only thing holding me back is I just love Amy so, so much. I almost feel like I just want her there to be there right. because her presence <laughs> is just amazing. So we have to decide. We'll have to decide for sure. But um, mm-hmm. if we do a midwife again, it'll definitely be Amy. But that's I'm definitely, awesome. I'm strongly considering the unassisted birth, assuming I have a, a healthy pregnancy and everything goes according to plan. Mm-hmm. We would definitely explore that option. I think mm-hmm. it would be, I think, I think that the unassisted birth would be a great way for Ryan to feel more powerful. Like he has always been uh, an amazing birth partner. Like he's there, of course, from start to finish. He, he knows my love language is acts of service. And so from the beginning to end of my pregnancy, he's just like, he does nothing but serve me. And he understands for me that healing is happening not only physically, but also that the birth and postpartum period is a time for emotional and spiritual healing as well. And his support is a huge part of that for me. So if, if we did unassisted, I think that would be an even greater chance for him to um, support me in that way as well, because he would be, I mean, there's no midwife. So he would be the, the sole birth partner for me. That's Um, really beautiful. Yes. That'd be a great, great role for him. And, and I, I think mm-hmm. I'm, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, love. I was just going to say, I think I'm very lucky in a way that I have had the full spectrum of birth experiences because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to birth in a hospital. And I know what it's like to feel very empowered by that hospital birth, at least for a time I didn't. And I think, I think that women can have amazing births in the hospital. And, but looking back now, I can say that a hospital birth is not for me. Um, but what empowers me is not necessarily what empowers another mom. And I do believe that knowledge is power and having a better understanding of our own bodies as well as the process of childbirth and the history of childbirth can help us make more informed, empowering choices that maybe we would not have had or would not have previously been able to make. But I mean, I feel like when it comes to home birth, once you experience it, you never go back. Like it is just Hmm. that good. So I appreciate my past two birth experiences, but the home birth was just incredible like Mm. my past two experiences have gotten me to the home birth and potentially to a free birth as well but but oh man I just love it was amazing wow (laughs) there's a couple more points that I want to hit on with you Emily because you mentioned them before we had our chat and I think they're just really you know great to mention for those you know mamas who this might be relevant for or who have no context for it and now can be, you know, a little bit more in the know. And one of them is uh, how adamant you are about consuming the placenta. Can you share a little bit of why and what that's been like for you? Yes. That was another thing that horrified me when I found that that was even a thing. It was like disgusting to me because I was, like I said, I didn't really know much about it. Mm -hmm. But once I realized the potential benefits of placenta and we have done a placenta encapsulation. I, I mean, I think most mammals consume their placenta. Like yes. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's good for it's healthy. It's just that humans, it seems very taboo to us, but right. so we've chosen to do placenta encapsulation for my last two births. And I feel like it has been amazing for us. Like it has helped. It's supposed to help with uh, potential like postpartum depression, baby blues, um, the emotional health of the mother, as well as your bleeding, your postpartum bleeding Mm. and um, milk production is a huge one. So for me, I, I nursed Corbin, my first child on demand, but he was pretty small. I mean, I think he was definitely hungry. Um, He was a little bit underweight, but my second, and we, I mean, we nursed him a lot, but maybe I just didn't have quite as much milk, but my second and third children the ones that I did the placenta encapsulation for, I had like a severe oversupply of milk, like to the point that might have been too much. Um, But I, I mean, the only difference between the two was the placenta encapsulation. And I did pump a little bit here and there that probably caused the oversupply as well, but it, the placenta, I feel like it helped me so, so much. And my babies are just so nice and chubby and fat and <laughs> healthy. And I was healthy and I felt happy. I never had a single moment of the baby blues, which I know is completely normal. And I'm not saying if you eat your placenta, you're never going to feel sad after right. you have a baby. But I do think it helps emotionally. And even if it's a placebo effect, I mean, you still feel, I still felt great about it. So, and I, I know that it's healthy and it's, um, it's, 
they're filled with vitamins and mm-hmm. nutrients too. Like you take your placenta, it's just like putting that good stuff right back into your body. So mm-hmm. I actually still have some left in my refrigerator. I'm going to save them for, I guess when I need them, I don't know. Yeah. They, they say that you can save your placenta pills for years. I mean, they tell you, you can put them in your freezer to use during menopause. Uh-huh. I don't know if mine will last oh my that gosh. long, but um, wow. yeah. Like, or during your, your period, if you're having, yes, um, I have heard that. Something like that. I mean, you can use them for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So it's like wow. the magic elixir. All. And as far as your milk production, you donated milk as well. Is that correct? I did. That was such a blessing, which again, I, I think it's connected to the placenta encapsulation, but mm. that was something that I feel so, so lucky is we kind of intentionally, like once I realized I had this oversupply, started intentionally pumping and storing um, milk to donate because we had way, way more than we needed for pen. Mm. Um, I think I ended up between my two pregnancies so far, I've donated like somewhere around 10,000 ounces of milk to usually local moms, which has been like, it feels so, so good. And to know that you're giving that milk to someone else, like I know it makes some people uncomfortable to take breast milk, but a lot of people are really like, that's what they want. And Mm -hmm. I would do it in a heartbeat. I had a period where I didn't, I had, I think a month or two in between when I stopped pumping for pen and then Mox was born where we didn't have quite enough milk to get us through. And my cousin donated milk to us. And so we've used milk for my cousin, funny enough, because I donated too much and I didn't have enough left. Mm. Um, so then we had a cousin that donated back to us. So I'm all about that milk donation. I think it's amazing, especially because if I can use some milk from my cousin who probably has different antibodies in her milk than I do. And so then I'm protecting my child in an even better way because, you know, he's getting my milk and then he's also getting my cousin's milk who has, you know, he, I just feel like he's just, it's so, so healthy and he's getting a good mix um, mm. from her and me. So, wow. um, yeah, so now here I am back to pumping again and nursing um, Max and then pumping for Penn. So he's, he just turned two. So I think we're almost done. But <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think my pumping journey is hopefully almost over. I envy mothers who can just nurse on demand and not pump. That is my goal for my mm. fourth child is to never have to pump. So I we'll gotcha. See. But it's been a while. Okay. And then one thing I want to come into this home stretch with, kind of wrap up with, is something that you shared, you know, before we talked about what the Doing It at Home podcasting community, you know, through listening and being engaged here, what it's uh, done or influenced as far as, you know, kind of how you look at yours, but then also just in general, the female body. Um, would you share a little bit mm-hmm. about that? Because I think that's that's such a beautiful thing and something that, you know, it just shows how this space goes beyond just the details of the birth story and, and what we can all get Mm -hmm. out of it and how, you know, even the littlest thing that you might not, you know, realize either for us, you know, me and Matthew, when we're talking about it or for a mama who's sharing it, you know, what sort of impact it can have. So I'd just love for you to share a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Um, gosh, I have so many thoughts about this. So I, (laughs) With my first birth, I feel like I was in a space where, like I said, it was unplanned and I just was not comfortable at all with the pregnancy. I didn't feel pretty. I didn't, I didn't feel like Ryan by nothing that he ever did, but just my own thoughts. I didn't feel, you know, like I would be attractive to him because our pregnancy was unplanned and I just, I didn't want to get big and fat. And it, it was, I just had the, the, the wrong mindset about it. And, um, by the time I had my third baby and I was listening to the doing it at home podcast, I, I caught your, you and Matthew, your dynamic is amazing. And the way he talks about you and your pregnant body. And this is probably again, coming from your sex episodes, but Oh my goodness, it like totally changed my life. I made Ryan listen to a few of these episodes because they're just that good. I think there was an episode where Matthew talks about the way that your body changes through pregnancy and then after the birth and just how amazing it is. And Mm. that was what, I mean, changed the way I viewed my own pregnant body. All of a sudden I like realized like I have this belly, but it's adorable. Like Mm. being pregnant is so fun. Like it's, it's beautiful to know that you're growing this baby and to be able to embrace that, like whether it's just in your day to day life or through sex, I feel like that was a huge, like that changed our sex life as well because I, 
feel a whole lot more confident even even while not pregnant but the the big issue for me was while I was pregnant mm-hmm. feeling like I didn't appreciate my body um but then realizing that Ryan totally appreciates it I mean he loves my body if I'm pregnant or if I'm not pregnant like it mm-hmm. doesn't matter and um for me to just open up and and be able to see the beauty of creating life has been amazing like I mm. yeah I don't know where else to go with that. That's, um, I mean, that's pretty well, <laughs> well done. I, I appreciate you so much for sharing that. Um, just, you know, cause it's a part of your own experience. And then I think it also opens up the space and the possibility for other mamas to lean into that for themselves as well, you know, to heal all these parts of ourselves. Like as we, as we step up to the the precipice of this experience of becoming a mother and then being a mother, you know, whether it's your first time or third time, mm-hmm. you know, just the things that you can uncover and rescript as as far as what you thought or believed about your body, about your sexuality, about your relationship, about what mm-hmm. it is to be a woman and a mother. Uh, there's there's always opportunity to for that, and so I just really appreciate you um, in an awesome, candid, transparent way sharing some of that. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like this is something I learned from you as well, that sex is so healing and transformative Mm. and birth is as well. Like those two tie in so closely because they're both healing transformative experiences. And so I think that's why we've learned so much about the two together, sex and birth, just through this process of my third pregnancy and also all of your podcasts that we've listened to. Yay. Thank you for all the knowledge. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being a part this of this the, experience. Yeah, thank you. <sighs> this has been number one podcast that we recommend as a birth resource to people. Yay. Um, because it's just that. It's that amazing. So. Mm. Well, Emily, I want to thank you. I want to thank Corbin, Penn, Moxie, and Ryan, <laughs> um, you know, for being a part of this story as well. You know, I can feel their energy, you know, as you share about them. And I just feel like, you know, all of their unique personalities, just all of these, all these men that you have around Mm -hmm. you, you know, supporting you and being the awesome mama and woman (laughs) that you are. It's, it's really awesome. So thank you for sharing your story and being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>